Welcome to Inflection Points, helping tech leaders navigate a new path to growth. My name is Joe Hine, and in this episode, we speak with Daniel Ackerman. He founded the digital agency DeGordian at the age of just 22. He's made it onto the Forbes 30 under 30 list. He's won multiple best places to work, raised capital and launched multiple products. You'll love Daniel's insights as we discuss why agencies shouldn't raise capital, how to successfully incubate products inside an agency, and adapting your business to succeed in the US. From SI Partners, this is Inflection Points. Daniel Ackerman started his entrepreneurial journey at the age of 22. He has co-founded several tech companies, made it into the Forbes 30 under 30 list, and the companies he has led have gained prestigious recognition, including multiple Best Employer Awards and Deloitte's CEE Fast 50. DeGordian is a digital agency that goes beyond the boundaries, focusing on performance and growth marketing, brand communication, digital production, amongst many other things. Not to mention his other successful ventures such as D-Term, one of the first SaaS products in Croatia, and Bornfight, a venture builder. Daniel Ackerman, welcome to Inflection Points. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. It's an honor to be with you today. Daniel, you're a serial entrepreneur. What is it that gave you the desire and confidence to set up your own business aged just 22? Well, to be honest, I'm not sure. <laughs> I was like super young and my motivation was more like how to go for a good night out, you know, girls and so on. Uh, but I knew that I wanted to do something. I didn't know what. And I started building like websites for 300 euros, nothing. And then, you know, one job, another job, another job. And then I thought, okay, like I should create a company. But I was then dreaming, like, you know, once if I would have 10 employees, I would like conquer mm -hmm. the world. I was never <laughs> dreaming that this group will be like 300 people. So it, 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 it started like really small. And then, you know, year after year, it was growing. And now it's like pretty big company. And DeGordian has been named best employer six times in Croatia which is remarkable. What kind of company culture did you set out to build at the Gordian and how did you make it such a desirable place to work? Yeah, well, one more thing, which I think is interesting. So we have six awards and with our sister company, Stan, and in Croatia history, which is not very big, uh, we are the, the company with the biggest number of awards in Croatian history. So yeah, this is big for us. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. Um, and yeah, when... And talking about that, I, I was thinking a lot about this topic and like every day somebody is asking me this, like, what is the reason behind? And I think always it was not about, I don't know, perks or policies. I think that when we started, we did not try to create a normal company. So we did not try to create like, you know, cash machine, like to have profitable business, buying houses and so on. Our vision was maybe because we were super young, you know, just to create a place where we will have top team who will be happy and engaged. And this was our only motivation, only nothing more. And I think that our employees always felt that. So 
every decision which we are making about, I don't know, restructuring, new services, new potentials, whatever, we are thinking about employees. And I think this is our heart and everybody's feeling it. It's not like, you know, empty words like, okay, we'll have best perks and everybody will be happy. No, we are really thinking about the people. And this is step number one. And then some policy or decision or perk is step number two. So I think this this is the, the formula we did. So it's about a, an attitude and approach rather than like you say, policies, pieces of paper and stuff that's written down. Yeah, I think so. It's the, it's the intangible. But that sometimes thinking so much about employees, it's, it's a fantastic thing and something we should always, always be thinking about, but it can bring tension into a business as well. Have, has there been times where you felt the, the kind of the business objectives and, and the people objectives don't always align? Yes. Um, when we started, we were super young, you know, and everything was a team, great team, happy people. That was our focus. But I learned like, especially COVID with, you know, high inflation, business is also important. And I think that in that time I, I was reading Shoe Dog from Phil Knight and, you know, the analogy like uh, with human and blood and vision. Yeah, great book. So he said, you know, like uh, you're a human and you have a blood. And you as a person, you need blood. Without blood, you're dying. But you're not here to produce blood. You're here for your higher aims. The same is with business. You know, our blood is business and cash. Without it, you're dying. But you're not here, you know, to produce blood and cash. You're here because of your vision. So I think that with The Guardian, you know, we were focusing too much on a vision and too little on our blood. And when COVID came and inflation, you know, you have to increase salaries, increase, you know, um, offer better things, you know, to your employees. But we couldn't because our business was not strong enough. And then I think I learned, you know, people are super important, team, culture, everything. But I think business is equally important. And if you don't have good business, you won't have a good team. So I think that we're really maturing, you know, from people oriented to people and business like equally. And how, how does that manifest itself in, in the business? I mean, I, I guess it's, people are such a strong part of your culture, it's hard to change that. Um, is, has this compromises had to be made? Well, yeah, I think, you know, it, it sounds easy, but it's not easy. Uh, and we are like in the last two or three years focusing so much on business KPIs, you know, like productivity, utilization, uh, and so on, and really expecting a lot from whole team, from, you know, people and so on. And this is a change. And we had, you know, a lot of people who were not, you know, thinking the same. So you have to explain it. You have to do some even reorganization, so on. So it was really not an easy one. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you're. I guess it's a it's a change, right? Even if it's a, a yeah. subtle change, culture change. Yeah, and culture is the most difficult to change. Absolutely. How do you start that? What's the the genesis behind changing a bit of your culture? Well, not sure because now I'm 35, so I'm still not the most experienced guy here ever. Um, <laughs> but I think that the first thing is really that you realize you have to change. And that's not easy because always you have culture, you have people which are going, you know, one way and now you have to go another way. And it's not easy to see this because all of these other people are still, you know, you know pushing you in the other direction. So I think that this is the biggest step just to realize you have to change. And then the second one is to communicate 
why. I think always it's important to communicate why, not what you're doing, what and why, and then to execute. Uh, and also what I learned, especially before, you know, we were very team oriented and it was always like, ah, team, you are the most important and so on. But what I realized, you know, business is important. So if you really want to change and if it really makes sense for everybody, you don't have to listen too much to the people and, you know, <laughs> just execute because it will be good for them. Yeah, yeah. It's a fine balance. It's not an easy thing to do at all. Um, but it's so interesting. I want to take you back to one of the earlier stages of your business. And uh, I mean, remind us how old you were at the time, but you raised some venture capital for the agency. Why did you choose to raise funds? Well, it was not only for the agency. We raised capital for our products, Media Toolkit or DTERM today and some other, and also for agency. Why? I'm not sure. I think that our investors prefer, you know, to have bigger group, you know, lower risk. Um, and what we did with that money was to invest in the products, which I think made sense. But also what we did is invest that in agency. And I think it didn't make sense because it just helped us like to create some, you know, long-term decisions, which will long-term pay off. But to be honest, we didn't have enough pressure because, you know, we had a lot of cash, a lot of money and so on. And some of those, you know, decisions or projects didn't pay off. But for us, you know, it was like, okay, but maybe, you know, next month it will be better and so on. And I think that we spent that money and without some effect. So I think that if we didn't, you know, raise anything for agency, the result would be the same or even maybe the better because we would be, you know, looking only on business, you know, postulates and so on. And this one was not the healthiest, I would say. And of course, for product, that is different. For product, it makes sense 100% and you have to do it to scale, to improve the speed and so on. Absolutely. I think... Um the, the agency raising money and raising capital into an agency question is something that I get asked quite a lot in, in, in our role. And it's something I always find intriguing. And it's either, uh, you know, it is at an inflection point when you're starting up the business, which is um, rarely do you need it um, to, to, to be able to start up a business. But it, particularly, as you said, at this point in time, when you're starting to scale and invest in things. And I think there is a, sometimes there's a danger of, exactly your experience of having too much money and therefore not making quite the right decisions within the business um, and almost over-investing in it. And um, in, an agency has to have a culture that's attuned to its size. So you need to make spending decisions in accordance with your size of your organization and keeping with your organization. And sometimes having a lot of money can change that um, dynamic. I think it makes sense, you know, if you want to acquire companies, but it's the different story. But what we did it doesn't make sense. But you have to understand, like we were 25 then, we didn't understand anything. So in that time, we raised investment, spent it on agency part, partly. But second, we had like free products, like not only Media Toolkit today, D-Term, uh, but two others. So it, it was crazy, you know, but we were 25 and we thought, you know, <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, I completely agree with you as well. M and A is 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 perhaps the the one and only reason to raise raise capital into a business that is that is successful, and that leads us on to something else I really want to to dig into with yourself. You you're a a rarity as a CEO. 
you've been successful in both service-based company and product-based businesses. There's a balancing act to those two different business models, time and materials versus a product investment cycle, and it's unstuck many a founder. How have you managed the unique challenges of, of running both types of businesses? Well, first, uh, you see only successes, not mistakes. <laughs> um, but I think we learned a lot. So first, what is really important is to dedicate team as soon as possible. Because if you have, I know, developers or sales team, which is who are working on agency side, but also on the product side, it won't be working because agency, you know, you always have some kind of due dates, you know, clients are pushing, we need this, we need that. And, and the culture of agency is to serve clients. And then, you know, your product is like, you know, priority B or something and nothing is happening. So I think that you have to dedicate team to really have standalone team, uh, different team with their own vision, with their own goals. Second one, you have to understand that like everything is different. You know, sales process is totally different. Marketing, totally different. HR, product development, culture. So again, you have to split people, you know, you have to dedicate them and to move away, you know, because to, 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 uh, to focus on these differences. Um, second or third, what I learned is you have to focus. So product is super heavy to build. You need a lot of energy, not only, you know, resources or money, you need a lot of your focus to build it. And I mentioned like, so when we raised this investment, we made, I think, a big mistake that you have to understand. So we were 25. It was recession. Yeah. And in Croatia, it was not recession. It was depression. So unemployment rate was super high. Everybody was laying off people. And we were a big success. You know, we had like 100 employees. We were hiring young guys. We were like golden boys. You know, what we touched, we were like successful. And of course, it was not true. You know, we, we, we started like three new products. We opened new one, one new office, uh, international office. And it was not realistic. It was too complicated, too hard. And at the end, from these three products, only one survived. And this is the term today. Two of them we had to cancel. Uh, the one international office, we had to move out from that. So that was too much. So I think you have to understand it is super, super complicated to build a product and focus only on one thing. So this is like super, super big. And the last thing, maybe what we learned also, when you start, you're financing that from your agency, which makes sense. But I think as soon as you have some kind of traction, you know, some revenue growth or something, it's smart to start, you know, raising some capital um, because you will lower your risk. I think you will increase, you know, speed of developing that product. But also, you know, your agency, you will unburden because product becomes a burden. You have to spend, you have to burn, and it's not cheap business. So, yeah, I think these are the key learnings I got. Yeah. Can I uh, unpack one or a couple of those, if, if I may? So you mentioned about management time and, you know, kind of it's quite intensive, particularly you were trying to do three products at this point. Um, how do you prevent the agency dying as you're focusing on another part of the business or the product not being successful because you're focusing on the, focusing on the agency business. You know, in my experience, where the founder 
is interested is is the bit of the business that survives. But how did you manage that? Joe, this is really hard question. <laughs> um, to be honest, really not sure. Like a year before, I was 100% focused on the Gordian. Um, this year, because we launched a new product, Stethoscope, I'm like 50% on Stethoscope and 50% on the Gordian. And I was very afraid about that. But the truth is that the Gordian is growing faster than ever. So we are growing like 50% year over year. So maybe I'm thinking, you know, it's better if I'm not there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But not sure what to conclude here. Um, But to be serious, I think that in agency, the structure and the system is the most important. And I always found my role that I'm not the car. I'm more like auto mechanic who is building that car and helping that car to have the best tires, best engine, turbo, whatever, to be the best car ever. So if I leave or if I whatever, you know, that car will stay fast. And I'm trying to manage the Gordian like for years like that. And that's why I think this is working, Um, but it's not easy. But I think also if you're really trying or thinking, you know, to, to, to focus on other product or other venture, you have to have some kind of management or, I don't know, COO or something to take over Mm -hmm. because, yeah, the both businesses are very, very complicated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a a challenge that you get in a catch 22 of needing a CEO and needing some funding and for the funding, you need a CEO of the business and, you know, it spins around. And, and, and so I, I can absolutely see how you've got to the situation of putting money into both the, uh, the products business as well as, as well as the Gordian because of just the way that an investor might look at the business and want security over you. And the fact that we think you're going to be successful, but we're just not sure where you're going to put, put your time to, to, to kind of achieve that. And so that kind of comes back to, you know, another part you said in, in your, one of the second learnings was about building a separate team. Did you take people from the agency and put them into the, the, the product teams or did you hire separate product teams, not wanting to cannibalize the agency, but yet, you know, the people in the agency are good. How do you manage that? Well, I think for a start, it's better to hire people from the agency because you have them, you know who is good and who is fit for that. Okay. And to be honest, if you have a new product, it's not easy to attract talent. Uh, so I think for us still, it's easier to attract talent as the Gordian than, for example, Stethoscope, which is a new product. And then slowly, you know, to dedicate them, to spin off them in this second brand, and then slowly transition you know, to, to products like hiring and everything. Uh, but agency is your system. Agency is much bigger. You have brand, you have everything, you know, so I think you should use that at the beginning. Yeah. Leverage that. Absolutely. It's such a hard journey. Um, I've seen a lot of people try and, and, and struggle to maintain growth in, in both aspects of their businesses. So, um, I think it's a phenomenal achievement and, and it's not, the only place where you've succeeded in, um, you know, kind of pushing boundaries of agency life. You've, I want to talk about your international expansion and most agencies will think about and often flirt with, um, looking at international expansion, but you made the leap of, of launching in the U S why did you ex- decide to expand so far internationally and not look 
closer to home, at, um, I guess, you know, uh, Dash or, um, you know, kind of the UK market, for example? Well, first, you know, Croatia is a very small market, beautiful country, but very small. So I think that you have to go international if you want to really build something bigger. Uh, and that's why we started opening an offices, international offices, but mostly Europe. And then especially, you know, with COVID, I realized, you know, everything is starting to become like remote first. So it's not so important to have offices anymore. Maybe more like, you know, biz dev to have somebody, you know, local to represent you and so on. So I was thinking not to open new offices and to operate like, you know, from headquarters. But we were open. And then we found in the States um, one great now partner, a person who was running an agency in the States before uh, with great network, great experience, great everything what we were missing. And then we saw big, big potential. So I think it was not in our plans, but we found this partnership. And then we said, like, why not? You know, because we will get person who can really help us on this market. And this is great market. We have already clients, but this will, you know, skyrocket us. We didn't have a lot of risk and why not? And that's why we made decision to go like directly to the States, to the New York. Uh, and I really like the decision. And I think this is moving the whole agency, you know, not only developing like one new market, uh, but also moving the whole agency to be more advanced, more international and so on. So I think it was not the easy choice, but smart decision. And how did you, I mean, look, the, the, the element that's unlocked that for you is finding this partner that was running, as you say, another agency. How did you convince them that the Gordian was the place for them and to, to jump ship and come and work with you guys? Well, it was interesting story, maybe even a bit private, um, because this partner was running an agency, uh, but with her husband and then, then they got divorced. So she moved away from the whole IT digital industry and she wanted to come back. Um, but it's not easy to open an agency today. You have like, you know, thousands of them. So, you know, how to differentiate. And we were interested to, you know, enter this market. So this was like win-win. So she gets like, you know, our name, our branding, our resources, our expertise, everything. We get entrance to the market. So that was the story, which I think is very smart for both sides. But the... Um succeeding in the us is is not easy um you have a local partner a guide to help with the gordian but i mean how have you found you've had to adapt or change what you're doing to really succeed well i, I think that differences are i think bigger than i was expecting to be honest because in europe especially in smaller markets i see that you know like full service or integrated agency make sense because they like, the clients like to work with one agency which can really solve all of them, their problems. And we are like that. And in the States, it's totally different. So they are searching for super, super specialized agencies. And when they see us, they say like, okay, but what are you doing? We, we don't understand. And this is a challenge for us. And I think this is why maybe we are growing a little bit slower than we were expecting. And this is why also we are now changing a bit our like structure, business model or whatever. So the Gordian, we're trying not to be anymore the Gordian, like a big agency of like, you know, very specialized teams, then really to become 
a group, agency group of specialized agencies. So this means that our units, our teams who are specialized, we are starting to spin them off in like sub-brands, different brands and so on. So if we are in States or somewhere else and they're searching, you know, for somebody like amazing in performance marketing or something, like, yeah, guys, we have great, you know, agency specialized exactly on this field. So we have to adapt, I think, not only for States, but also for some other markets. So we learned that part. And this is the difference. Wow. That's uh, that is so interesting, and I, and, and I, I I totally understand it. It's often something that when people talk to us about wanting to sell their business, we say, well, you know, what is it? You're what are you famous for? What what, is, what are you special at? Yeah. Because buyers, like clients, are are looking for uh, something that neatly fits in a hole. I have a need, <laughs> I have a capability or a geography I want to fulfill. Can you do that? And are, are you exceptional at it? Or you know, kind of are, are you a generalist? Which is you know, pe- pe- sometimes people have a, you know, they, they want to know where your focus is. What are you really good at? Cause you, you know, or are you really good at everything? It's like, well, I'm, I'm good at everything, but I'm really, really good at this. And having to be able to talk about that cuts through in the marketplace. Well, I wish you continued success out there. Um, it's a, there's a lot of opportunity, um, to, that, that, that if you can try and conquer it over there, it's fantastic. Um, and I, you know, that, that was sort of, uh, I wanted to ask you as well, you know, you, you, your business has been changing over, you know, you've been, in digital marketing for about 14, 15 years now, you know, how has the landscape changed over that time? And, and, you know, how has that changed your strategy? Well, a lot of people are talking like, you know, digital is something modern. And then you have like traditional media, which is more like TV, radio. But I think that digital is becoming so complex that you have like traditional digital and then like modern or advanced digital. And I think that, the goal of the Gordian, but like every agency should be to be as much modern digital as possible because traditional agencies, traditional services, digital services, you have so many agencies offering that part. For example, social media, everybody does that now. But if you're talking about, I don't know, marketing automation, sales automation or something like that, that's like super complicated and you don't have so much competition and the value is much, much bigger. So I think that we have to focus on that part. That's number one. Number two, what we learned also during these years that digital is becoming much more than marketing. You know, previously it was, you know, display advertising, maybe social media, everything was marketing, but now it's much more. So we are working with marketing teams. We are working with sales teams. We are working with tech teams, like really, you know, building products. We are working with HR teams, with management and so on. So I think we, but also digital agencies, we are not marketing agencies anymore. I I think that we are more business agencies or I don't know how, how to call that. And if I would be looking at some international, you know, big, big companies who we should honor, I think we are more like today as Accenture than, for example, WPP. So I see these two trends for the Gordian, but I think also for the whole market. See, uh, digital consulting rather than digital marketing. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel, thank you so much. It's, It's so great to hear your story. And I've got one final question that I ask all my guests before you go. After looking back, I want to look forward. What is exciting you about the next 12 months? Well, like this year is the best ever for The Guardian. And we are seeing so much growth and we want to continue that. And we have these plans like spinning off new units, 
double down on our stethoscope, the new product which we are building. And we have like a few other projects, but they're hush hush. So I think next year <laughs> will be a big one for us. Tell us about stethoscope. What, what does that do? Well, stethoscope is like Google Analytics for websites. Stethoscope is for employee satisfaction and engagement. So a lot of analytics and data about your employees and how to increase the satisfaction and be a best employer. Great place to be. Daniel Ackerman, thank you for being with us today. Joe, thank you very much for the invitation. It was really a pleasure and talk to you soon. SI Partners is a leading corporate finance boutique for agencies, consultancies, and technology providers at the forefront of the digital economy. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Joe Hine, and you've been listening to Inflection Points.